0: On this episode of Trickle Down Theories, Eric Trickle is joined once again by Cleed al to talk about free agency and some players that teams should avoid. What is the situation with these players and why should teams avoid them? This is Trickle Down Theories.
1: Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the Draft... And with the first round pick, Dan Marino, the NFL Draft. And with the first round pick,
0: Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the truck was gonna take me. I would have asked for so much money that I
1: had to put on no layaway. Welcome back to the draft. NFL Draft. Good, Good young players. with The draft all about. You're in, and you're out. Welcome back to the, the draft.
0: Wide receivers, running back,
1: tackle, a quarterback. Never hear the draft, there has been a trade. Ricky, Ricky Williams, on Dolphins
0: good morning afternoon or evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to trickle down theories i'm your host eric trickle on this show, we talk about all things NFL, the draft, and we have a small focus on the Denver Broncos, as I'm an analyst with MileEyeHuddle.com. We talk about everything from signings, trades, rosters, team needs, anything and everything you can think of. And free agency is right around the corner, so this is going to be a focus on free agency. Joining me today is Khalid Alshami, also of Huddle. Good evening, Khalid. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Got off the of crutches recently. Ditched the uh, brace for my knee, and starting to walk without mit- much limitations. So that's a positive step for me. And it's been really exciting with the NFL this week and all the moves and trades that are happening. Something that hasn't happened in an off season that I could remember. Uh, that's good to be off the crutches.
0: So free agency's right around the corner, and uh, legally, or the legal, I should say, tampering period starts tomorrow, which at this time of the recording on Sunday, March eleventh, is. Still tomorrow. The legal tampering period is dumb because teams tamper throughout the whole season. Fans may not think that's the case all they want, but there's always under the table talks and text messages and emails going on that teams are able to figure out what players are looking for in both contract and in terms of the team structure with the roster and everything that helps them make their pitches directed to the team to the player and the agent so they can try and sign them. And with that all coming, we're going to discuss who's the one player that we would avoid at each position. So we have quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, offensive tackle, interior offensive line, defensive line, edge, off-ball linebacker, cornerback, and safety. No one really cares about special teams. I mean, would any of you listeners actually want to listen to us talk about which long snapper that these teams shouldn't sign and why? I don't think so. So kicking this off, obviously, we're going to start at the guy who's the franchise guy that you want to be the face of the franchise at the quarterback position. For me, it's a guy that we've talked about quite a bit multiple times on this podcast in previous weeks. And I've talked about him with Chad Jensen on his podcast. I've talked about him with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler on their podcast. And that's AJ McCarron. I'm sorry, in his, what is it, 133 pass attempts, he hasn't shown anything to me that says that he can be a long-term starter in in the NFL. He was a former fifth-round pick, and all of a sudden his value's through the roof. I'm just not buying it. He couldn't beat out the red rifle and Andy Dalton in and Cincinnati and their coach and Marvin Lewis. He's he was going to put the guy who's best suited to start in the starting position from everything I've heard is actually he remains pretty distanced from his team from his players for the most part, which helps him make the judgment of who's the best bet to go. So McCarron couldn't beat him out. I don't think he's a long-term starter, and I just don't think that team should sign him. I mean, as a backup, maybe I can see the, I can see the argument for it, but I think he's best suited as the number three guy, and maybe he should retire and return to coaching because he's got a good football mind, but I just don't think he has the talent. That translates onto the field.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on McCarron. I'm a little surprised that the Browns traded for Tyrod Taylor. Actually, I figured that he would end up there with Hugh Jackson, but that kind of is a message from John Dorsey that he's running things and Hugh Jackson is not. For me, I could have went a number of directions at QB. Could have went Sam Bradford, who has issues with his knees. But I personally like Sam Bradford as a... He's probably going to command a one-year deal where there's not much risk for the team. So I decided to go with his teammate, Case Keenum, who had a career year last season. He's looking to command probably somewhere in the range of what Mike Glennon signed for with the Chicago Bears last year. Maybe more than that because he is an established starter. He's been starting for years and he had his best year last season. He's being discussed as, for some teams, as a bridge QB, which I really don't like his fit as. I don't think he's going to be as open to a mentor role after having a breakout year like he did last season. He's being talked for other teams as a short-term solution that will start for a couple years. I like his fit, maybe if he goes to the Cardinals, maybe if he goes to the Jets, but a team like the Broncos or like another team that's looking to draft a QB and develop them, I don't really like his fit that much.
0: Yeah, I can understand all that. And next up, we're going to look at running back and my guys, Doug Martin. I loved him coming out of college and into the draft. I loved him as a prospect. The muscle hamster, I thought he was going to be something special. And he really started to look like that his early years of his career in Tampa Bay. Then there were some off-field issues with drugs and other other stuff and issues with coaching and just every just a lot of different stuff going on. He seems more risk than reward at this time. He's also dealt with a couple injuries, too. And I just, I don't know, with how strong this running back class is. I mean, and there's some other really talented pre-agent running backs, too. I just don't see why you look at Doug Martin with all of the baggage that comes with him.
1: Who's your guy? For me, it's going to be Carlos Hyde. He's been the star of the San Francisco 49ers offense the last couple seasons, as they've been irrelevant. So he's 27. Entering his prime years, he has probably three more good years as a running back. But he's probably going to command a contract that he's, quite frankly, not worth. I don't think he's quite as good as as a lot of people make him out to be. He grabs a lot of garbage stats, as he's also a threat out of the backfield as a receiver. So personally, that's who I'd avoid. I don't think he's quite the player that a lot of fans think he is.
0: Yeah, I agree. I've, I've always felt that Hyde's been a little bit overrated. As for receiver, I'm going with the guy from New England, Danny Amendola. I wasn't as high on him when he, last time he entered free agency, when Denver went and got Wes Welker. I mean, he's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. Even in New England, he's dealt with them. I mean, he can contribute in the number three role. If you're a competitive team that may be a few pieces away from being Super Bowl contenders, I can see it as a guy who can come in and help move the chains a little bit on third down. But outside of that, I just don't really see much need for him for any other team, really.
1: Yeah, Amendola just seems like a guy who makes big catches in big situations. He's not really consistent at this point in his in his career. For me, I'm going with John Brown from Arizona. He's been inconsistent since he was drafted. Always flashed his... He has a lot of talent. He's, he's flashed it often, but he's never put it all together. Last season, he spent a lot of time in the trainer's room, injured in and out of the lineup that's a guy who I'd avoid who's probably looking for a contract that he's not worth at this point of his career. And he's only 27.
0: Yeah. And his hands are really bad, really bad. And that's a big reason for his lack of consistency at tight end. I'm going with, I think he was a former Panther this year in Ed Dixon. This guy has dealt with multiple injuries throughout his career. He's a okay blocking tight end. Okay. Receiver. I'm not big on spending money on guys who are just okay at both things at tight end. I'd much rather spend cheap and get him and some tells me that he's gonna demand a contract that's four million plus. And I'm just I that makes me want to drink bleach, really. He's not worth it. I he's barely worth two million in my eyes. And uh just just avoid him. I, I like this tight end class better. I think there's multiple other free agent tight ends that can do the same thing as him and come a lot cheaper and even offer more. If I'm spending $4 million on a tight end, I would much rather spend it on Ben Watson than Ed Dixon. And Watson's like 5 billion years old. At least Watson is brilliant. He's, a good, he's the perfect teammate. He's good for the community. And he's more than willing to help the young guys. And Dixon is just, that just isn't Dixon at all.
1: Yeah, if you're signing Dixon, I think he needs to be in the role that he was in Carolina. He ended up starting a lot this season because of the foot injury to Greg Olson, but he's been mainly a backup. He's been mainly a backup since he was drafted. Actually, he's really he was a huge letdown in Baltimore after they selected him. So, yeah, he definitely should be in a backup role, making two, three million a year max. But I don't like you said. I think he's going to chase a bigger contract. For me, I'm going with Jimmy Graham at the tight end position. For a couple teams he makes sense. If you're a contender, the New England Patriots perfect fit. New Orleans Saints going back and linking up with Drew Brees, perfect fit. But other than those other than those two, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers also who could could use a tight end. Jesse James is I don't like Jesse James that much. He's young, but he's inconsistent, disappears a lot. So, it's really a contending team that I'm looking for for Graham. He's a receiving threat he's not he doesn't offer much as a blocker. Seattle tried that when they traded for him, misused him for a couple years and he was really up and down as a result for his time in Seattle so'm I'm, I'm looking for him to go back to New Orleans and if he like say a team like Denver who needs a tight end if they look if they're looking at Jimmy Graham, I think it's a I think it's a bad fit. I don't think he'll do very well there. And it looks like they're going to be going with a young QB as well. And potentially the guy I mentioned before to avoid Case Keenum.
0: I'm going to disagree with you on Jimmy Graham, especially even with Denver. I think he's makes some sense there because he provides a red zone threat. And at this time, that's what he's best as is a red zone receiving threat. And Denver can use that because they still suck in the red zone. Any team that needs a tight end that can help in the red zone, then I would be looking at Jimmy Graham provided the cost is right. If the contract is upwards of 6.5 million, I would, I, I would move on. I'd go somewhere else. I look at Levine toy Lolo. I think it's how you say his name cut from Atlanta. He's big. He's can be to that red zone threat and he's going to be a lot cheaper.
1: Yeah, I agree. He can definitely offer a lot to multiple teams. I just, I don't like the fit as much if he's not going to a contender for a team like Denver. I think they should go young. That's just my opinion. They have Jake Butt in the wings. The tight end class in the draft isn't is is pretty. It's not bad. So I'd look to go young if I were them. But I'm not, I'm obviously not running that franchise or any of the other franchises in the NFL for that matter. Yeah,
0: I can I can see that. And as for offensive tackle, everyone's going to hate me for this, especially the Bronco fans who like their local boys, but I'm avoiding Nate Solder. I'm sorry, he's just not as good as he's cracked up to be. Tom Brady helped cover up a lot of his deficiencies in the passing game and he has always been a really bad run blocker. If I'm looking for an offensive tackle, I want somebody who provides even if they're maybe not as good as he is in run block in pass blocking, I'm looking for somebody who can help in, in the run game as well. But as I said, Tom Brady covered up a lot of his deficiencies and I think that Unless he goes somewhere that has a star quarterback that can help cover up those deficiencies, he's going to look really, really bad.
1: Yeah, since I couldn't pick Nate Solder for this position, I had to go elsewhere, but I completely agree on Nate Solder, a guy who's overrated by especially the local fan base, Denver, because he went to CU Boulder. If he didn't go to CU Boulder, I don't think anyone would be talking to him as go becoming a future Denver Bronco. He's decent pass blocking. A lot of that, like you said, covered up by Tom Brady. Not good in the run game. And that was Denver's strength last season. So if you bring in Solder, you're going to upgrade your pass blocking unit a little bit, and you're going to downgrade your run blocking unit. So I'm not a fan of that. For my choice, I selected Central Henderson from the Buffalo Bills. In his first two seasons, he started 26 games. And in his last two seasons, he started one game. So That kind of shows you the fall off he's had injury wise and just effectiveness. He's not really a guy that you want to sign to a big money deal and start at this point in his career and coming out of college. He had a lot of off field concerns. So that also concerns me in his potential fit with teams.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. And I actually was debating between Henderson and Solder myself before I settled on Solder. So Great minds think alike. As for offensive interior offensive line, we both have guards and for rather different reasons. I'm going to say this. I, I know I, I, we talked about this beforehand, but I, I'm, I disagree with your guy. But my guy is Xavier Suafilo. A lot of Bronco fans wanted to draft him the year he came out, and I kept telling them that don't. He's just not very good, and he has proven to be not very good in the NFL. He's I don't I don't think he's a good caliber backup even. I think he's a competitive third string guy who you keep kind of tabs on in case both your guards get hurt and you need to bring someone else in. But he's not a guy that I go hard at. He's not a guy I even look at in free agency until, you know, it's training camp time and maybe injuries take toll. And as I said, it's just he's just not good.
1: Yeah, and for me, and I know you disagree, I selected Josh Sitton formerly of the Chicago Bears. I like Sitton a lot. He still has a lot to offer teams. The reason I selected him is because of the quality of the guard slash center class coming out in the draft. There could be potentially four or five interior offensive linemen selected in the first round this year. So I'd prefer to go young there. That's that's where I'd, I'd go. I think you could plug a... Rookie guard a lot easier than than you can plug a rookie like skill position player in today's NFL. So I'd rather go young there. Sitting still has a lot to offer, but he's soon to be thirty two, and he's he's getting close to that point where he's going to start tailing off performance wise. He still plays at a pretty good level, and he still has a lot to offer a team. But yeah, like I said, I just rather I'd prefer to go young.
0: I can, I understand the argument, but he was still a top five guard this last year and he he still plays at a high level. And even with off and with offensive linemen, these are guys that play well into their late 30s. So he's still got at least five years left. So I, I think he's, I think he's still worth it, even for a team that can is young and growing and can use a veteran on that offensive line. Now, before we get to the defense, I just want to remind you listeners to please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be here today. So please go and take the time, go to iTunes or Spreaker or both to rate and subscribe. Let your voices be heard on how much you enjoy listening to all of us talk, not just Cleed and I, but Carl and Nick and Chad. And this all would be very much appreciated. You guys enable us to do something that we all love to do. It's a passion for us, and if it wasn't for you guys, it'd just kind of be pointless. So we thank you all for that and we just ask that you guys help spread us around with the defense, we're going to start up front, obviously on the defensive line, and the big boys, the beef. my guy's dealt with a lot of injuries he I don't think he was he had some potential coming out, but I thought he was a little bit overrated. And injuries have always been a concern with him. And now there's some attitude concerns, multiple concerns that make me want to avoid him, especially with how the defensive line class in the draft this year and next year looks and how there's some pretty talented free agents out there as well. So I'm avoiding Dominic easily. He's not a guy that I would take a look at, not with the injuries and character stuff that's there.
1: Yeah. Don't disagree there easily a guy who I would avoid as well. Just, I don't think the potential and talent outweighs the risk and concerns in signing him. For me, I had a player with similar concerns but more production. I'd be avoiding Don Terry Poe, who spent last season with the Atlanta Falcons. He only received a one-year deal last year because of the injury concerns with his back that scared the Kansas City Chiefs off from committing to him long-term. He had a good year with Atlanta, but he's going to have those same concerns again this year, I think. So, I'm really concerned with adding him if I'm a team those back issues really scare me off. He did have a better year but he I think he's still a little overrated for what he does and he still he hasn't returned to the form that he had in his early years in Kansas City that made him that has basically made him overhyped in recent years.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. Those back issues for a big man are a lot more concerning than any other position, basically. And it's even worse when you're a big man with weight concerns, and Don Terry Poe has had some issues keeping his weight in check. Moving over to the edge, these are guys that are either 4-3 defensive ends or 3-4 outside linebackers, normally pass rushers. My guy, he's not the most outstanding pass rusher, even though that's what he was drafted to be in Baltimore. He moved on and has gone to, uh, I think, a couple different places over his the last few years. That's Courtney Upshaw. I I liked him coming out. I liked him a lot, and he's been one of my biggest misses because he's just nothing close to what I thought he could be. He had a all right year this last year. I don't know. Just he seems such a iffy fit in every scheme, and you just got to try to keep fitting a square peg into a round hole, and just hard to find a way that actually works with him. Teams have tried him as a 3-4 end. Teams have tried him as a 3-tech. Teams have tried him as an inside linebacker, outside linebacker, pass rusher. They've tried him all over, and nowhere seems to be natural for him. So it's just, where do you play him? And when I have that kind of question, I it's hard to really take that guy when, especially when they've tried many places and haven't fit.
1: So for me, I went with Junior Gallette, who spent the last season with the Washington Redskins. He's been a player who's been in and out of the trainer room, missed 2015 and 2016 as as a member of the New Orleans Saints after having 22 sacks in the previous two years. He came back last year, played all 16 games with the Redskins, only recorded three sacks. I think teams are going to look at him as a situational pass rusher, and I just don't think the risk is worth it. He has a lengthy injury history and I mean, resulting in two missing completely two seasons and those injuries occurred prior to the season in training camp. So I'd avoid him personally. He doesn't offer enough as a pass rusher to outweigh the risk of him ending up back in the training room and not on the field for whatever team may sign him.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I just want to say that, it's going to be edited out so you listeners won't hear it, but he did have Barkevius Mingo, and I'm actually happy that he switched it to Junior Gallette. Mingo, I think that you can still kind of find a way for him to work and be a situational rusher and provide some depth at the position. So he's a guy that, if the contract's right, I wouldn't mind looking at. So I'm glad you changed him because I can agree completely with Junior Gillette. As for off-ball linebacker, my guy's Brian Cushing from USC, who was formerly of the Houston Texans uh he was a guy who was actually overdrafted to me i never saw the flare with him uh he's pretty aggressive in the nfl always has been he provides multiple different things he attacks the run really well he attacks when he had asks when he's asked to pass rush he attacks hard but it's just oh no i can't get over those suspensions that he's had and this year's A lot of these guys that I have, it's going to be because of the strength of the draft class and or free agent class. And this year's off-ball linebacker class is ridiculously strong. Like, it's the strongest that I can remember it. And why take a guy who's been suspended, I think, three times for pet abuse and has dealt with a couple injuries and missed time with them as well, when you can go draft a guy in the fourth or fifth round who has a second or third round talent and has a clean slate coming into the NFL. Sorry, I'm just not... Doesn't matter. I can't see any reason for any team to sign Brian Cushing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm no fan of Cushing. I I mean, I'm a fan of what he offered on the field while healthy, but at the same time, there's so many concerns with all the suspensions he's accrued over the seasons, the injuries he's accrued. He's he's a guy that the there's so much risk if you look to go that direction. I just don't think it's worth it for me I decided to go with Navarro Bowman who last season went across the pond from San Francisco to play with the Oakland Raiders and he brought a lot of stability to that linebacker core in Oakland but I think he had a little bit better of a season than everyone thinks due to the really poor defense he played in he had to bail out a lot of he had to bail out that defense a lot and he was able to do so. But at the same time, this is the same guy who shredded his knee a couple of years ago. His athletic decline is probably going to be a lot sharper than a lot of other players at his age. So that's a guy that I'd avoid. I think his best fit is just staying in Oakland and not moving on from there. But I wouldn't look to sign him to a multi-year deal with any big money going to him in said deal.
0: Now, we're just going to do both defensive backs at the same time, both cornerback and safety. My guy to avoid at safety is TJ Ward. Sorry, Denver moved on from him for a reason. He's old. He's declining rapidly. His play style is very aggressive and hard on his body, and he's missing time with injuries as a result. And just, again, the safety class is better than people think. There's some guys who can fill in what he does. And just, I don't know, I just don't think the money will be right for Ward. I think some teams going to overpay for him, and that doesn't sit well with me and for cornerback this again this year's draft class that cornerback is really strong like really really strong and you're gonna get talent that's second or third round in the fifth or sixth round Like it's just ridiculously strong and adam pacman jones everyone knows his history he's a he's actually still a really decent corner uh, he's still talented decline has hit him a little bit but he still can play i won't take that away from him but there's still that history there there's some issues on the field, Tim, and his character on the field. And for those reasons, it's I just wouldn't touch Ward or Pac-Man Jones.
1: You know, this is the first time I kind of disagree with you, and that's on Adam Jones. I completely agree there is risk there, but at the same time, if the numbers are right, I think he offers a lot as a potential slot corner, and st- he still can offer some in the return game if a team is needy there. So I I do agree with you, but I also sort of disagree with you on him. So just wanted to throw that out there. For me at corner, I went with Dominic Rogers Cromartie, who has just uh, had his contract terminated today, I believe. He has been a decent corner for a long time in the league. He was really good when he was with Denver, has gone to New York and has been up and down. He's aging and I don't think it's helping him at all. He's relied on his speed a lot and he's not a physical guy so that's a guy who I'd avoid with a New York team that has a lot of change coming to their secondary they decided to move on so avoid him as well for at the safety position I went with Mike Mitchell who has made a who has had a pretty good second life in the NFL if you will with the Pittsburgh Steelers he's kind of found a good role there and has been able to look a lot more the part than he did when the Oakland Raiders overdrafted him in the second round, so he's just he's a thumper. He's basically an in the, in the box kind of style safety, and a lot like Ward, his style plays not. It's it's a tweener style play that's just not translating quite as well to the league nowadays. And he's also aging, so that's a guy who I'd avoid. In addition to who you said, TJ Ward, which fan favorite of Denver, but they they cut bait when they cut bait for a reason, and they did it right before he had a pretty serious decline signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a free agent and was only a part-time player and that was not a good defense that he played on
0: yeah and again with Jones I still think he is good I just want to cover quickly your disagreement with me it just comes down to just how strong the draft class is and Uh, with his age and those concerns, I just don't think that you sign him when you can get a guy who can do the same things in the draft and later on in the draft as well. Before we get out of here, do you have any parting comments?
1: Yeah, you touched on it earlier, the legal tampering period being a myth, really, because teams are tampering throughout the season. And as soon as off season, as, as soon as the offseason begins and when the combine rolls around and during the senior bowl, there's tampering happening all season long. Only a few teams get caught doing it. And when they do, the penalties are pretty high. That being said, it will be exciting to see what happens in free agency the next couple of days hearing that Kirk Cousins no longer is going to be taking any visits and has decided on a team to go to the same for a guy like Keith Keenum, a lot of reports saying that he's already decided where he's going. It's going to be exciting to see the next couple of days as a lot of players already have their minds made up and already have their contracts in place.
0: I think what makes it more interesting is how much will the 11th hour change things? Because over the last few years, there have been countless players who had an agreement with a team set in stone before they w- were actually able to sign. And some team jumps in last minute, makes their pitch, and boom, they're signing him. Things can always change. It's not set in stone. That said, I do think that K- Kirk Cousins and Case Keenan both are set in stone, but you just, you never know. That, that's, that's the thing. If you want to want, K- want Kirk Cousins in Denver, Keep hope because you don't know if the eleventh hour will change things on that front. Maybe John Elway makes a call and hey, I'm going to give you a three-year, hundred and eighty million dollar offer. Obviously, that's a little bit of a hyperbole, but just say that's just kind of the thing: is a team may jump in with the offer much better than what the player w- thought they could have been getting or are getting from this other team that they already have an agreement in place. Eleventh hour always changes stuff around. So that's going to wrap up today's show. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Trickle Down Theories. Please leave a like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Khalid H. Alshami. And my own Twitter is at Eric Trickle. You can always reach us there with any kind of questions. And we're always more willing, more than willing to respond. We love the interaction with all of you fans, listeners, and even the readers of our content. Without your support, we wouldn't be here today. So we thank you a lot. And also, please follow up at MileI Huddle for all of our written work from mileihuddle.com. Also, huddle up pod for any podcasts that come out. This is Chad Jensen's show, Nick and Carl's show, this show. So just keep an eye out. Follow them. Follow my YouTube channel at Eric Trickle or. YouTube.com/slash Eric Trickle I think is what it actually is. Keep saying this, and eventually it's coming. I will be doing live breakdowns of players over there. uh Just a matter of getting video video editing software, which I may not be doing. I just actually be doing them straight live and uploading them. So there's going to be a lot of hiccups with it. So just please be willing to sit through that, and hopefully you enjoy the breakdowns and are able to learn something. And as always, Khalid, I had a great time with you. And I know I'll have you in on the future. You're essentially the co-host of the show. And so for Khalid, I'm your host, Eric Trickle. Thank you all for listening to Trickle Down Theories and have a wonderful day.
1: Mile high huddle.